This is Kate Mercer on the Go Well program. Today I'm talking with Ronnie Khan, who's a social entrepreneur and founder of food rescue charity Oz Harvest, a non-denominational charity that rescues excess food which would otherwise be discarded, delivering the equivalent of 25 million meals a year. I also talk with Ronnie about her book, A Repurposed Life and What It Takes to Live a Life with Purpose. Such a fantastic book. I have to say that when I read your book, A Repurposed Life, I just found it so, so inspiring. Um, just so just so honoured to have you on the show. Um, now, I know that probably quite a few of our listeners here may not have read your book. They might have heard about you. I think you've been doing some TV lately or you're doing that in the future, are you? Yes, I'm, I'm, there's ongoing stuff all the time, but I certainly would never assume that people know who I am or anything about the book. So, yes, <laughs> thank you. Well, look, let's start with uh, with talking about the book. Then I will be sort of cherry picking um, through it because there's so much in it. But uh, you were born in South Africa, weren't you? And then I think uh, what I wanted to go to straight away in your early life is you lived on a kibbutz in Israel. Can you tell us a bit about that? I sure did. Yeah, it was fascinating. So kibbutz is a socialist society. It's, a, it's like a community that has chosen to live according to values that everybody's equal and everybody works according to their ability and gets according to their need, which in principle is so wonderful. And in principle, I totally agree with. The challenge was, and I lived there for 10 years and loved it and made the best friends but I certainly discovered that it's hard to live equally. It's hard to be told to go and work somewhere because that's where the need is and then still feel fulfilled and happy. So it's a big, it's, it's a very interesting thing when we try and live idealistically to try and put that into practice. Yes, I, I found that really fascinating. And I remember when I read that, I was actually about that same time, I was living in London and I had friends that were all going off to kibbutzes and I didn't of actually course. ever go. It was a real thing, wasn't it? And what was, what was those years that you were there? Yeah, it was totally, I was there from 1970 yes. to 80. Yeah, very early. And, but yes. and that was when you were 100% right. Volunteering was at its absolute height and it was a thrill and it, it quite honestly if I could have been a volunteer on the kibbutz I think I would have had a much happier time <laughs> yes well look what struck me was when you were writing about that part of your life in the book and you were sort of like thinking it's not you knew that it was right like you've just said but it wasn't quite the right fit for you but it took you a while to like really follow that impulse to leave didn't it Totally. Well, because you want things to work so much sometimes. Yeah. And you also, I also do believe you've got to give things a very good go. Um, yeah. But ultimately, it didn't work out. Um, but I have huge respect both for the organization and for what our, that actual community has become. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Now, so when you left Israel, was that when you came to Australia, that next step for you? Yeah. Well, I left, yeah, I, when we left Kibbutz, we did go and live in Israel for another eight years, and then we came to Australia. That's well, right. Then we landed in the promised land, you know. 
<laughs> yes, that must have been amazing. What, and what was your was the first job that you had here? Because uh, we should tell our listeners, of course, you've had a very varied life in terms of the different types of businesses you've worked in and probably different yeah. roles. Was it the florist that you uh, worked in initially? No, the, the ver- well, there was, and then I did that. But actually, I also landed up working in interior decorating here for a year, then going back into floristry until I had three of my own florists, which then turned into my event production company. So I, I do have to acknowledge that although I'd never heard the word entrepreneur until the last few years, I, I clearly mm. have a huge ability, drive and need to start new things a little bit fearlessly, rather out of naivety and stupidity than smart, but they seem to turn out okay. Yeah, look, I love that part of your book. I really do. You had that real determination, but you know, you just kept on sort of following with the bouncing ball, I call it, isn't it? Where you don't, exactly. don't really know where you're going. So can you just, uh, this is a, I hope it's not too difficult a question, but give us uh, out of those first couple of um, jobs that you had, maybe at the florist and the event company, the main sort of things that you took from those, the lessons that you learned. I then want to go into the skincare company because that's when things sort of changed for you. So maybe, yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, there's, look, there's no doubt that what I took and what I learned during that, that, that those first few jobs were, First of all, you put your head down and you give it your all. So that I think works for any of us in any role. And, you know, I think really why they're becoming a florist and then turning it into my own business worked for me was because I did realize that if that's, if that's where I have now found a way to make a living, I, we were married, I had two children, I needed food on our table, then I was going to do it in the very best way that I could mm. and, and love it. And so I know that I consciously said, this is what I'm going to be doing. How can I do this so that it's full on joy and that I serve the people that I'm doing this for in the very best way? Because mm. attitude and how we choose to do the things we do are hugely powerful and empowering and very important. That's right. And everything that we do puts that energy out into the world, doesn't it, the way that we do things? Yep. 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 And, you know, I often say, and and now in the talks that I give, I often say, don't ever underestimate that you are a role model for those people around you, whether it's your children, whether it's the people you work with, how you behave, how you act, the things that you become take on and the way you take it on are affecting everybody else around you. So it's a beautiful lesson Mm -hmm. to remember, you know, subliminally I learned so much from my family when I was young, but you don't know that at the time. Mm -hmm. And so as adults in whatever role we are, we must take on that responsibility that we are teachers in everything we do. Okay, so now I really uh, felt that when you got to your uh, role in your skincare company, that that really mm-hmm. seemed to change, that you started sort of realising that it was more about 
Uh, well, you tell us how, how things changed for you there. Yeah, well, I think for the very first time, there was this, I was exposed to this notion that you are who you want to be and that our attitudes are so important, so utterly fundamental. So whilst I bumbled and stumbled along, living in a way like that, with each role, I just dived in, took it, made the best of it. But when I, I went into network marketing, I suddenly was given tools and training to understand that we we have the ability to choose to make choices and positive choices and how we can make an impact and that just felt so liberating and freed me and i loved loved the confidence it was a newfound confidence because whilst up until then i'd done things i'd never evaluated if they were successful or not all my measure was is there food on our table for our families suddenly it gave me this opportunity to think about who I wanted to be and what kind of a person and how I could make a difference on a very superficial level. But it was that very beginning. And that was so, so it was sort of like uh, a bit more going into self-development in a way, wasn't yeah. it? It's sort of just been... Um, Previously, maybe just working in the jobs, as you say, to get food on the table. And then you sort of came more into sort of about yourself and your own self-belief and maybe your potential, that sort of area. Is that right? Totally, totally. That yeah. was the very beginning of learning this whole notion of self-development and how mm. and finding um, gurus that, that, you know, you could aspire to and be inspired by. Well, let's go to Oz Harvest because um, can you tell us the story of the lady that you met in America who is sort of doing that sort of thing? Because that was important for you too as well, wasn't that? She sort of um, asked you a couple of questions there which seemed to really open you up to another level. Yeah. So when I chose to start Oz Harvest, um, I, first of all, didn't fully have a name for it nor did I really, what I knew was what I had done. And what I had done was collected food from my events. And when there was, I would just drop it off at one or two agencies that I knew. But I thought, I just, um, I just wondered, I, I came across by chance. I thought I'd go and visit my sister in America while I was thinking about what I was going to do. And how I was going to start this charity and discovered that there was an organization quite similar that was up and running in America. So I reached out and thought, why reinvent the wheel? I must learn as much as I can. And so flew to America and landed up meeting um, Helen and this whole, the whole meeting was actually quite amusing and actually finding her was amusing. But sitting down with her, I, I realized a couple of things. Number one, that I could use that organization as a track record so that when I went back to Australia, that I could totally just say, well, I know that 
it's not been done here, but now I've seen it and I knew that it could be done. So that gave me confidence. So it's always good if you're starting something new, if you can find something either similar or use an existing model as a, as, as a benchmark to prove that you could potentially do something similar. But when we'd finished and she'd shared and I'd learned all that I had the time to learn, which was quite superficial, she turned around and said to me, Ronnie, what is your agenda? And I didn't really understand that at all at that time. Mm. But through these last 17 years, it has become such an important question. Mm. And, and, and what I now understand she meant by that is, why are you doing this? You always have to check in why you're doing this. Mm. And the my take on that is if you're doing it to become, you know, be on the cover of a magazine or to win an award, you will have different results than if you are doing it because you want the impact of whatever it is you've chosen. And I knew very clearly that for me this was all about making a difference mm. and wanting to wanting to impact as many people as possible. Yeah. And it always has been. It's always been my driver. Yeah. I thought I sort of read that in the book as being a real turning point. Um, it was. Yeah, that it was absolutely good. was. So, um, look, some of our listeners may not know at all about Oz Harvest. So can you just tell us um, what exactly does and how big it has now become? How long has it been running now for? We're going, we're just finishing our 16th year. Mm, We've delivered over 165 million meals. Wow. Rescued from surplus food that would otherwise have gone to waste. So I think for those of you who have not heard about us, our purpose, our, our mission, our purpose is to nourish our country. And we do that in four ways. We make sure that we rescue surplus food. That's food from supermarkets, delis, takeaways, anywhere there's beautiful quality, good food that hasn't passed its use by date and is still fit for consumption. We collect that and deliver it to over 1,500 charitable organizations around Australia. And we make sure that good food doesn't go to waste. The second thing we do is education because we all have fallen into a trap. Our grandparents knew not to waste food. And even if we know not to waste food, we've forgotten how not to waste food. And we've forgotten about the value of food. So we have education programs, which really are about shifting our behavior, supporting vulnerable people, teaching vulnerable youth how not to waste food, and how actually teaching vulnerable youth by giving them skills and um, qualifications so that they can get a job. So that's really an exciting program. Our Nourish program, we've got programs that teach vulnerable people how to cook, how to look after themselves. And then again, a big campaign to all of us citizens on how to value food again and inspire us to make sure that we don't waste it. And then of course, we've got innovation and lots of innovative programs like we've started the first free supermarket in Australia where anyone can walk in and you can take beautiful quality food and you if you can 
We ask you to donate. There's a box, but if you can't, you take the food and go. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. And I think one of the things I love uh, that you say at the end of your book is your sort of aim will actually be that you don't ever, that you don't exist at the end because there won't be any need for what you're doing. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Well, we're committed to systems change and to teaching so that we can put ourselves out of business. But in the meanwhile, we're in every state mm. and we have um, duplicated our model in the UK, in New Zealand, in South Africa, in Japan. We've just got Japan Harvest opening and we've taught people around the world our model. I think it's absolutely amazing. I just um just so grateful to you for coming on the show today. We've almost out of time already. I did want right. to um talk to you about one other thing that really struck me so much was the video that you've recently done that I saw on Facebook where Yeah. Oh god, you start with uh well do you want to explain it as well? It's amazing. Well, thank you. It was a very confronting thing to do. So I co-wrote the book with my daughter-in-law, which you can imagine was also quite an interesting experience, but beautiful and very bonding um, and, and special. The whole purpose of the book is to be as authentic and vulnerable and real as I am, because sometimes people might look at me and think, oh, she's got everything. She's in newspapers. She's on TV. She's this. But, you know, all I am is a woman possessed <laughs> and a woman committed to making a difference. So my daughter-in-law said, well, one of the best, you know, your book is so revealing. What we want to do is give a really verbal, really visual representation of that vulnerability. And I said, no, don't be crazy. I'm already vulnerable. <laughs> I've done it in the book. And she said, no, nah, here's my vision. And she got a filmmaker and that was the vision. And I went along with it because I, I got swept up because it was very powerful and very traumatic and hard to do. Mm. But when I saw the reaction of the film crew, Mm. You just were bawling and thought it was very, very moving. Mm. Gave me a little bit, a teeny bit, not a lot of confidence <laughs> to let it go out. Yeah. But they convinced me, and I have to say, I've had an extraordinary reaction, but it's still very raw. <laughs> Are we going to tell? Are we going to tell our listeners what actually it is, or do you want to keep that as a surprise? People. Well, have maybe to... they have to go and find it. Yeah, let's <laughs> leave it at that. It's just it's because it's incredible. I mean, it's actually something like with your book, actually, Ronnie. Uh, in my own life, I don't think I'll ever forget reading the book. It's one of those okay. very very that simple is books, so and um, precious. That yeah. means so much to me because really, all I wanted was that it be a tool for people to support them in whatever it is that they want to do. Yeah, well, I'm sure it will support a lot of people. Thank you so much. I'm going to have to finish the interview now, but thank you so much. And I hope one day somewhere out there I might meet you and, and shake your hand and say hello and look in your eyes. Well, thank hello. you so much. I so appreciate your sharing a repurposed life with your listeners and hopefully they manage to find it, buy it, read it and yeah. share it.